Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. President Benson, you're one step from a dude chugging a beer on top of the school bus. <laughs> Pete I don't know if there's been as open a feel in college football in the last decade. With SI's Pat Forty. You know, I've never met Wetzel, but he seems like the ultimate cynic. And I said, yeah, he kind of <laughs> makes me look like Snow White. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod week seven. We're sort of halfway through. A lot of teams have six games in. They got six to go. One of those teams is Georgia. Six wins. Six up, six down. No problem. They are top ranked. Number one. They look like the most dominant team going. They are your steady club. They've won in blowouts. They've won on the road in wild environments. They've won showdown games with Clemson. They've won with two different quarterbacks. Their defense is straight filthy. This is a really, really good team. I don't think there's anybody uh, who would argue they're not the favorites to win the national title at this point, based on what you saw. Or whoever the hell is going to beat them has got to go through them. Which brings me to my question for you two esteemed gentlemen. How much pressure at this point is on the Bulldogs and on Kirby Smart, who has done a an excellent job in his five-plus years, five-and-a-half years now in Athens? Mark Rick did an excellent job. He did. He's done a little bit better job than that, but he ain't won it. He's made the playoffs, made the national title game in 17, hasn't been back. Alabama doesn't look quite like Alabama. They at least look gettable, mortal. Everybody else doesn't look as good. Pat, UGA has not won it since 1980, a drought that's almost unfathomable. How much pressure on Georgia and how much on Kirby Smart? A ton, a mountain, all of it. Because for everything you just laid out, this is their year. I mean, you're sitting here today, mid-October. They are the one team, I think, that you look at and have a hard time finding flaws in. Their performances have been excellent. The competition is vulnerable. You know, they came really, really close to winning it all in 2017, and just Alabama was better. That was mostly what that came down to. This time, Alabama does not look better. Ohio State does not look better. They've already beaten Clemson. You know, there, there's there's other good teams out there. there. There's competition for sure, but they have all the chips in their corner. I think they've got 
an excellent stable of running backs. They've got two quarterbacks who can win big games. They've got guys their receiving core has gotten better, which was supposed to be the big uh, the big issue there. They're they're able to make plays in the passing game. Their defense, as you said, I think straight filthy is probably the best description of it. It's the best defense in the country, maybe one of the best defenses we've seen in a while. Schedule is not without challenges still remaining, but this is their year. It's their it's their natty to win or to screw up one way or the other. And people have felt like Kirby Smart finds ways to screw up. You know, they'll find find a game that 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 he will not manage well, or you know, th- something will go wrong and things will snowball into an inexplicably bad performance. But if your program keeps growing, you should eventually get past that point. And this is the time for Georgia, I think, no doubt about it. So it's fascinating, right? Because Georgia has the best team. I don't know if there's been as open a field in college football in the last decade as has sort of uh, the seas have parted for the Bulldogs right now. But the Bulldogs are also flawed. Like, this is not a perfect team. There's questions about their first-string quarterback. There's questions about their second-string quarterback. There's a lot of questions at the skill position. There's some questions at tight end. They have great tailbacks. Their offensive line is good, but it's not one of these elite mauling crews. So they are clearly the favorites, but they're also vulnerable. Now, look, they have put up points. Stetson Bennett has figured out a way to put up points. They have won your gnarly early season game against Clemson in a neutral field. They've, you know, beat hot Arkansas. They've gone on the road. They've done what you need to do. So give Georgia all the credit in the world for positioning themselves here. But any notion that it's fait accompli, that this crew is going to roll and win the national title, I I just think there's drama left in all this. There's a a loss left to Georgia somewhere. You know, maybe it's punitive and and cost them the title in the postseason. Maybe it's not. I just think that there are ways when they start playing up a weight class that Georgia can be slowed down. Look, Kirby Smart screwed up a few games. All right. I'm not going to I'm not going to overlook that. I have not been as harsh on the timeline if only because like the previous 30 years of Georgia football have been so massively underachieving that Kirby Smart getting to the cusp of accomplishing winning a national title and not getting there. I have a hard time getting too worked up over that. He's built the program. I think the key for Georgia is that he stacked classes. It's been class after class after class. You can afford you. you there's depth to, you know, at the receiver core. I mean, give him credit for bringing Stetson Bennett back, right? Like we, we talked about in the pod last week, the, the value of a good backup quarterback in college football is, is huge. Uh, Kirby Smart's done a wonderful job building the program to this point. I think they're going to win the national title, but I'm not certain of it at this juncture. There's just enough vulnerabilities and questions there to, to keep things pretty interesting the rest of the way. Well, this being college football, I mean, I don't think there's ever, it's very, very rarely is that team you just sit there and say, no shot. Even even Alabama at this point of last year, you don't see that. Most years, somebody loses a game and still wins the national title, uh, which is why Alabama losing last week. Hey, if they if they do not lose again, they will uh, they'll win the playoff, right? And look, this field is going to change. Alabama and Ohio State are both looming, and they have equal talent, if not better, at at, at a lot of positions. But if you just looked at it right now, this snapshot. And I know the college football playoff is, is along with being set and the committee hasn't met. But Georgia is number one. The next three teams, presumably, like if you were just going to say this is the other fields, Iowa, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma. Like Georgia take that. They'll, they'll take that field all, you know, <laughs> every year. That's, right. That's all we got to beat. We will see. But I just feel like, you know, this team is blowing everybody out other than the Clemson in the opener was a touchdown. Everyone else, that win at Auburn, uh, was really impressive. 
first, you know, massive road game, big, huge environment. And again, Stetson Bennett, you know, this is a very valuable backup player. We talked about how much I think this is the year. The fact that it's gone this long without a title is is pretty inexplicable. Uh, there's just so much talent, so much commitment, so much everything. I don't know. Now, they are playing Kentucky this weekend. They are, I believe, 23 and a half point favorites. Over, <laughs> against an undefeated team. Yeah, against a, a 6 0 Kentucky club. They also still have Florida at the cocktail party. You know, there's there's Tennessee, which I think we're going to try to talk about today at Tennessee later. And it's then a pretty good debate. The, which of those three games is the hardest, right? I would have to say Florida, I would think. But going on the road is no picnic. Tennessee can rattle you with the way they play offense. Uh, I don't know. I know who Sully thinks is the hardest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I, mean, I don't know about that. All of them present a challenge, I, I think. I mean, yeah. I mean, Tennessee's offense has just been absurd. thing is, you know, Tennessee's – in October alone, Tennessee's the number one rushing offense in the country. I don't know whether the, you can you can run the ball consistently against Georgia. But Florida, you know, that game is a good game in the cocktail party and the, the 50-50 fan environment there. I, I, I think Kentucky's up against it, but we'll see. Kentucky when, – when Kentucky doesn't turn the ball over, they're quite good. So uh, they'll, they all are interesting games for different reasons. So I want to talk a little Kentucky. You know, we have been long proponents of Mark Stoops and, and what he built there, and he's really got them 6-0 and for Kentucky and manhandling LSU the way they did, beating Florida, uh, great environments up in Lexington the last couple weeks. And he's done he's done a great job. So I want – and you get to this point of the season and you start having the high-profile openings or or soon-to-be opens, and the biggest one in the South will be LSU if that if that opens. And so it's kind of natural to, to look around and say, okay, who's 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 got a program punching above their weight? Certainly, Kentucky. Ha, Mark Stoops has that at Kentucky, uh, and then you'd look at Mel Tucker at Michigan State and say, boy, is that a guy you could who who could go for that elite level? So one of the questions is, you know, should Mark Stoops? Let's say LSU wants Mark Stoops. Let's just take that as the uh, as the base of the argument. Should he go? Or, yes. Or is, <laughs> To LSU, yes, yes. Pete, you go go ahead and tell us why first, and we'll see if I give agree with you. Well, the last three LSU coaches have won national titles, and two of them, most of us would argue, are not very good coaches. Nick Saban, he ended up okay, but that, <laughs> so I just think like it's hard to mess up the LSU job. Now we've seen some people do it pretty spectacularly, and, and Ed Orgeron's right in the middle of uh, of of tripping over himself and and face planting, but that. The talent per capita in Louisiana, and, and again, I don't have the, the metrics right in front of me, but a state with that much talent, with no competition, there's no Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Florida State, and anything like that. You have that much talent and that much passion behind one program. All you have to do is just harness that. The recruits are coming. They're coming. You All you got to do is drive 65 on the highway and stay in the right lane, and you can win a national title every five years. That's what we've learned. That's what we've learned about the uh about the LSU job so I just think Kentucky right now Mark Stoops is amid the best it's ever been and I just because of lack of local talent I don't think it can get distinctly better than like the top 10 range right now now you know Kentucky resident Pat Forty may disagree with me, but boy, if you keep trying to defy gravity at a place like Kentucky, it's gonna it's gonna fall on your head eventually. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 
almost uh, verbatim there. That, like if it's a choice between LSU or staying at Kentucky, it's a no-brainer. The one thing you are great at getting into, you have to know. I mean, you are quite literally and figuratively getting into the Tigers' den down there because when things do go bad, they will turn on you in a heartbeat. Ed Orgeron, you know, grew up an LSU fan, is a Cajun from Louisiana, and a year and a half after going 15-0, winning a national title, they want to run him out on a rail. And they're going to get to it, appears, at the end of the season. And so you got to know going in, if, if that guy can get run out on a rail, so can I. This first time, things don't go well. But in terms of which job can you take the furthest, there's no question. You go to LSU and you take that over, over staying at Kentucky, for sure. If it's Kentucky, Nebraska, which we discussed on a previous pod or something like that, it's much more of an argument, I think. But if LSU wants Mark Stoops, Mark Stoops should get on the first jet going and go to LSU. All right, so let me ask you this, and, and all of this is true. Last four recruiting classes, LSU signed nine rivals, five-star recruits. Kentucky had one. Much harder to do. You don't have that local in-state talent. You know, it, it, just, it just is what it is. And I, to Pete's point, yes, everybody wins at at LSU. Like Ed Orgeron and Les Miles didn't lead LSU to a national title. LSU led Ed Orgeron and Les Miles to a national title, right? Like Correct. nobody thinks those guys were these genius coaches, but they right. got it. Just you just get out, get it organized and get out of the way. All right. So here's my thing going forward. This is my philosophical debate. And I don't know that I believe it, but I'm throwing it up. The way the game is changing with transfer portal, with NIL and with presumably an expanded college football playoff. The gap between LSU and Kentucky and what's possible shrinks. Doesn't even, but it shrinks. Maybe considerably. So the best predictor of national championship caliber teams is proximity to talent. And that's why LSU has got so much of it and why they can win so easy. However, it's a different game now. It's not just loading up 25 recruits a year and hoping they pan out and working to get them to pan out. There's a secondary recruiting process where you fill people in and you get guys on the bounce. And when you're recruiting a 20-year-old, it's different than a 17-year-old. Maybe you don't need to be near mom anymore. Maybe it's not about whether there's a waterfall in the locker room. Maybe it's not... <laughs> I love the school colors or boy on that recruiting visit, you should have should have seen what I saw. Right. <laughs> okay. What are you getting at? Then? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> money is a little different. Everything's a little different. Okay. Kentucky at 20 people are going, where's the competent coach that can, cause I got two years eligibility left. Where can I fill in and get to the league? Where can I get playing time? Where do I got a guy who really knows what the hell he's doing at my position? And so I wonder, and I'll just start with that. i go through all of them. You also add in NIL, which, as we said, would spread out talent to where, hey, being the big star, Will Levis is not the best quarterback in America. But, boy, he's one of the biggest stars, and he's making some money because he's, a, because he's the big star in Kentucky, and you got a whole state that's excited about you. He's He's... I don't know, Pat, is he the biggest sports star in Kentucky right now, in the Commonwealth of Kentucky? I would say it's it's still whoever, you know, whichever five stars the highest rated guy that John Calipari has coming in. 
that's getting ready to tip off. Okay. Uh, but but who is that? I don't know. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. But he's one of the biggest stars in an entire state. Yeah. No, no. It's true. And, I mean, one thing, look, I've always said, Kentucky football fans are good fans because they've sat through some crap for decades, and they still sit there. They go. They buy the tickets. They show up. So, yeah, you can be a star football player at Kentucky. I, I mean, I would say without question, like, if you know, if you want to use that corollary, the, the biggest star athlete at Louisville in 40 years was Lamar Jackson. It was not a basketball player. They've won two national championships in between Daryl Griffith and Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson was the guy. And, yes, if you get – uh, Lamar Jackson at Kentucky, he will be as, as every bit as loved and promoted and compensated. So it can happen, sure. Uh, I mean, I think your argument, you can make that argument for sure. And I think they, there's definitely something to be said for recruiting the older, more experienced athlete who knows what they want a little bit more um, and building teams with transfers. Now, you know, there's going to be a camp on a cap on annual transfers coming in at, I believe, seven, right, Pete? Isn't that the, the, the rule going in? So they're adding seven. I don't know the rule, Pat. They always got <laughs> to regulate everything. They of course. just yeah. can't freaking yeah. help themselves. Yeah. All I know is people are mad about the seven. I, I'm getting all yeah. sorts of they're ruining it even more and they're not understanding and they're screwing over the academic schools. Like we're getting – I'm getting a lot of that, but I haven't uh, I haven't drilled yeah, they, down on it. They complain them. about everything. All right, but, but that theory – and then let me throw in the last part. Is Kentucky go 12-0 and in the SEC? No, I don't think they can. They're not making the playoff, maybe ever. Well, if all of a sudden there's 12 teams, yeah. they're hosting a game. Unless yeah. they, the playoff people screw that one up. <laughs> and yeah. once you're in the tournament, you're in the tournament. Sure. You know, it's like it's you're in. And who knows? And so I just think. As, and I'm not saying it's now, and I'm saying you don't take the LSU job if it's offered. But, man, if you're comfortable, because you go to LSU, you now have to try to win five-star recruiting battles against Alabama. That's the recipe. And if you're not if the, if you're not built for that, then, you know, and everything's working the way you got it, and you can all of a sudden be like, because what? why would you not go to Kentucky if you're a great player? Well, they're never going to win the national chip. They're never going to make the playoff. They're never going to win the national. Yeah, you can we'll make the playoff now. We would make if it you, this year. Yeah. So I just think the these, this is a new era of of college football, and I wonder if in a few years you sit there and go, "Yeah, I don't need to leave. I don't need to leave." I mean, it's a little better, but I don't know if it's enough better. Where in the past there was a huge gap between a Kentucky and an LSU or a Michigan State and an LSU, right? Nick Saban jumped at that opportunity. If this is flash, you know, we're five years in the future, does Mel Tucker sit there and go, that's pretty, I got a pretty good right here. I can, I can, I can get my guys right here. That's, and, and I don't deal with the pressure of why the hell haven't you won the national title? Right. So, yeah, I just, no, I'm and just, that's what, and the, it's, it's interesting because Kentucky and Michigan State are thrown, those are the two schools that probably arguably have won the transfer portal battled for this year more than anyone else. So, uh, they could be kind of that template for how you do it at a place that's not where you're not just going to sign uh, 24 and five star guys as 18 year olds every single year. Yeah, Michigan State's been trying for years to out recruit Michigan, Ohio State, and Notre Dame, which surround them. It doesn't really work. 
Like, nobody's cracked the code on that except on a, a few times. But for the most part, you're going to lose to those three schools. Kentucky can't traditionally beat the top SEC. So maybe this changes it. Go ahead, Pete. Now, I was just going to say the, the transfer shell game is going to get more and more interesting now because when do you use them, right? You can take transfers in late November or you can take them in late. You know, when do you wait for that quarterback to drop in your lap? When do you wait for that backup quarterback to drop in your lap? I bet Kentucky was happy they had a scholarship and Wondell Robinson ended up in the and uh, ended up in the transfer portal, right? I mean, because that he has clearly electrified that offense and kind of helped make uh, help help make them go. I bet I'm sure glad they were they they had a few open when Will Levis ended up in the transfer portal, right? Because they're a completely different program if he's not the quarterback this year. They're they're still good, but they're not uh, you know sitting here at 11 and headed down for a game day matchup at Georgia. So. I do think the calculus of uh, when to hold them and when to fold them, if you will, is going to become a crucial part in roster management and the patience to be like, eh, we're going to say no to that like three star from here and you wait for thumpers and Kentucky landed thumpers. And that is all going to become just a huge part of uh, how college football works in the future. I just wonder, I, I think the, the whole game is changing, and that means even in the in the macro. And if you're a yeah. fan of those schools that are always sitting there going, I never stand a chance, but but we care. Kentucky's a good yeah. example. They care. Yeah. Michigan yeah. State cares, man. They got a lot right. of fans. Yep. And it's just 17-year-olds for the last 50 years have walked into Columbus and walked into Ann Arbor and walked into East Lansing and said, I want to go to one of those others. <laughs> just, yeah. It's more of them, right? It's just this. And they can build no, no whatever facility you put up doesn't quite change it. Yet you, you had Nick Saban there mm-hmm. for five years, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, and that I mean that's really it's a good point. Is is they've all built all the facilities, like right, like like almost every Power Five school has all the facilities now. So you can't really facility your way into changing the balance of power look at poor umass we talked to pete was yeah parking yeah. up there UMass great facilities. facilities yeah but they're on the way up now they've won they're, that's they're, right look that's out right. for UMass. <laughs> they're coming they're coming imagine when dan starts donating what they could yeah. become i mean just think about that think about that dan bought a few antonio's pizza slices for the boys in amherst for their win where they could go you know, you're holding gonna, it back, Dan. You're just if every back. one of my fellow UMass alums buys a couple copies of Epic Athletes for their kids, <laughs> <or> their athletes, <laughs> I will make a healthy donation to the movement. That's my challenge. Okay, we got Tom Brady. We got Patrick Mahomes. We got mm-hmm. LeBron. We got Simone. Ba- you just go to the Epic Athletes. I, then I will, I'll start buying recruits. There we what go. you want. Yeah. It's, the Dan's pitch is going to be, if you start buying Epic Athletes, I'll kill the BCS. All right, that's his pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Could still buy that book too. Yeah. All right, I got a. We have an update I wanted to get to. Do you remember our favorite player of the year, Georgia Southern defensive lineman Gavin Adcock? The, yes. Uh, Was he offensive lineman or defensive lineman? I don't know. He had a mullet. I think he's a defensive <laughs> lineman. Uh, number fifty. He has great balance to crush a beer while surfing on that bus. Yeah, I'll yes, tell you that. Yeah. Num- that indicates. Yeah. He, Famously wore his number 57 jersey. If you don't remember the story, Georgia Southern was heading to its game against Louisiana. They play at home, and part of their tradition is riding school buses over to the facility. 
and uh, Gavin on the ride decided to get up on, amongst other players, there are a few players up there, got on top of the school bus, the old yellow school bus, and was surfing the school bus as it rolled through campus. Fans very excited, obviously, to see the team. They were cheering him on. Someone hucked him a beer. He he opened it and gunned it down. It wasn't a <laughs> shotgun, but chugged it while crowd surfing on the way to the game, then played in the game. I don't really is. I mean, Dan, you've written an article after having a beer. Like, what's the difference? (laughs) I can't prove that. (laughs) There is not a TikTok proving that. Yeah, there's some copy editors that could give some good empirical evidence. (laughs) (laughs) There are not a lot. I don't believe there's a lot of rules in Georgia Southern or Southern Georgia or South Georgia or Georgia South or anything down there. I'm fascinated by the area of the country. Just everything happens. There's just critters and all sorts of things. Great mullets. And but even they frowned upon chugging the beer while bus, you know, very unsafe. Anyway, he got suspended for a game, came out on social media, uh, and posted uh on Snapchat. Only got one game, three exclamation points. We we back in action to exclamation ports. Georgia Southern said, sometimes you got to let your out. <laughs> said Gavin Adcock. He is now oh. no longer with Georgia Southern's football team. He found how far the rules will bend. He found the pressure point there, the breaking point. If you get a game suspension, don't mock him with that. <laughs> yeah. Gavin Adcock is in the transfer portal. <laughs> he had a great, a great. We had a great run with Gavin. Yeah, we love you, Gavin. Drop yeah. us a line when you make your decision. We can break your commitment right oh, here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's break the commitment. We're still behind sources. You. <laughs> sources. What, at uh, East Mississippi Junior College. That's that's next for Wait, him. What year is Gavin? Do, do we know what year Gavin is? Immature is is what he is. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. Could use more schooling. Let's put it that way. (laughs) So moment of silence for our man, Gavin Adcock. It happens. They've removed the bio and they're taking this seriously. (laughs) (laughs) When he's been scrubbed from the roster website, that's that's tough. Well, you know, before we get to some of these second half of the season storylines, we do have one other uh, story that we wanted to get to here. Uh, and this is really not, there's nothing funny about this except what the hell. A couple of guys in Bessemer, Alabama, uh, were watching the Alabama versus Texas A&M fa- game last week, obviously. Very exciting game. Uh, and the game was in the final minutes when Bessemer police say two men got into dispute. Tenant Christian Clemens said the argument centered around which team was better. Who was better, Alabama or Texas A&M? And there was the final minutes of the game. The homeowner asked the two men to leave because they were fighting over this. And then they went outside and uh, shots were fired and one of the men was struck and later died. So there's, not, there's nothing good about that. But people. <laughs> yeah. Come on. If only there was a way to determine which team was better. <laughs> like, yeah, finish watching the game and then look at the scoreboard. This is not an argument over Batman versus Superman or something like that. <laughs> Snickers versus Reese's Cups. <laughs> they literally play the game. They have a scoreboard and everything. Why would you get in a fight over who is better while the game is going on? Yeah, it hadn't ended yet. That was the thing that blew my mind. Like yeah. they missed the heck of a finish. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
Unfortunately, one of them will miss all the finishes from now on. The other guy's got to watch in the day room. Yeah, right. The prison. Yeah. Listen, don't do if anybody's listening to us thinks about shooting or getting in a shooting over we do not kill die or get, we if it's not because I really care about you it's just we only have so many <laughs> listeners and we can't afford to lose them. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old time Wessel comment there. <laughs> I will if you say, do die, could you have them automatically download on your phone in perpetuity? <laughs> Please subscribe at the very end. We're trying to make this damn business here. If you could leave comments on our on our site post uh, posthumously, is that how you say that word? Yeah, whatever. I just, let's let's go outside and have a gunfight to see who's better, or we could watch the game. <laughs> and then they will determine it. <laughs> uh, I have to say this. I, I tape Big Ten Network on, on Tuesdays, uh, which is when we're recording this. And Dave Refson said before we started, he was talking about the pod and the running bit with the Ames tap water. Dave, who does a great job with them but and listens to the pod both. Uh, and he did say, he said, you know, I've never met Wetzel, but he seems like the ultimate cynic. And I said, yeah, he kind of makes me look like Snow White. And I think that comment there, you you might have just cemented yourself in the Cynic Hall of Fame. I, I was on his show once, a couple yeah. times. I was in person in the studio. We were doing well, I think he might have said, I don't know him well. Uh, Whatever no. the case. Yes. I thought I was so yeah. memorable. Yeah. I went on the Big Ten Network. Everyone yelled at me for, but, <laughs> for trying to get rid of the BCS. Jim Delaney's orders or something. I don't know. Yeah, right. <sighs> Whatever. Oh, we'll talk Big Ten. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, everyone stay alive as long as you can subscribe to the podcast. Yeah. If, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just don't uh, cancel your subscription. And if you do go off to the big house, try to get the other guys to listen. You guys got a lot of time on your hands. Sitting around in the joint. Yeah. <laughs> listen to these guys. Yeah. Play us at your tailgate, at the yard, you know, yeah. 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 whatever. Come on. We take whatever we can get, man. All right. Uh, Here's the storyline that will just define a the the rest of this season the big 10 east is going to be huge michigan state michigan ohio state and penn state first three are all three and oh penn state's two and one because they lost to uh, iowa they all play each other it's like a round robin starting in a couple weeks presuming they all get to the the day before halloween to two days after thanksgiving this is going to get settled pat who is who do you think right now is going to win the big 10 east because if you win this thing you got a hell of a argument to be in this in this uh, playoff. Yes, you do. Uh, I mean, this yeah, this is going to be super super fun. That that whole month of Big Ten football. Right now, I I would give the edge to Ohio State. Uh, I know they lost early, but the last two games they have they've clicked. They've got it going offensively. They look like the team that we thought we were going to see. Uh, and I think the schedule does set up well for them. Out of those th- three, the three big games, two of them are at home. Penn State is is at home. Michigan State is at home. They do have to go to Michigan. They have owned Michigan. We know that. Has Michigan come far enough to close that gap? I don't know. It's a pretty darn big gap. So I mean, it would be really fun if Michigan is eleven and zero and Ohio State is ten and one when they get to that point. I don't know whether both of them will get there in that shape, but. That would be that would be great, uh, but I, I, I right now I would favor Ohio State. They have the talent. They are putting the talent together. They are performing at a higher level. 
Uh, and again, they, they, two of the three of the, the big games are at home. All right, to, to switch this up, because, Pete, I think you're going to go Ohio State also. You've said this before. Who comes in second out of that group? Hmm. I mean, we can all, that... we're all going to take Ohio State. they got the best talent, and it's like, I'm, I, until I see it, I, I, I haven't seen it. But Michigan, Penn, Michigan State, Penn State, who, who's, who's the Buckeyes' biggest threat out of those three? We'll put it that way. I think if I had to call it right now, so both Penn State and Michigan State go to Ohio State, right? And that really that really matters in it. Penn State could be setting up for an interesting backdoor playoff case because, no, nah, never mind, because they're I don't think they're going to win at Ohio State. And if they hadn't lost to Iowa, they could have just gone eleven and one and had a chance because just. Those wins over Michigan and Michigan State are gonna are gonna mean more. And and maybe if they do lose at Ohio State, I don't think it's totally ridiculous to start at least pondering the notion of some two loss teams here being in the playoff conversation. I don't think Penn State will have the like the total muster to do that. If you look at Michigan right now, like I'm super impressed with what Jim Harbaugh's done. They've got a great energy to the staff. They they figured out defensively. They figured out how to keep people in front of them, which was obviously not Don Brown's specialty. I think they've played better than their talent on defense, quite frankly. So I give Michigan a a lot of credit for how far they've come and where they've come. And, and, you know, Jim Harbaugh and really Ward Manuel, who I think was shadow puppeting a lot of that, those staff changes as they were getting Harbaugh to agree to his uh, more friendly to be fired contract. And I just, I don't know if I think they are beat a top 10 team good I think they are very good and I think Michigan Michigan State's gonna be a heck of a game could be a get Wetzel off the couch game which will be exciting for all of us and then from there I have no problem believing Michigan's a top 10 team but I don't know if they can if they can push that all the way to becoming a a a legitimate uh, a legitimate playoff contender it'll be fun to you know see them go to you know to see them go to Sparty on October 30th. That October 30th weekend shaping up to be pretty uh pretty pretty fun. I would Yeah, I wouldn't sleep on them going to Indiana this weekend. Indiana's desperate. Indiana's right. solid. Like I- Indiana is a lot of Indiana last year is a lot of Michigan this year. A team that doesn't beat itself, that plays hard on defense. It wouldn't shock me if Indiana kicked a field goal at the buzzer to beat Michigan State this weekend. So my my fascination with this is is if if anybody Clearly, Michigan State or Michigan, if one of them wins, uh, particularly fairly decisively against each other and Penn State and then lose close to Ohio State and Ohio State goes on to win the league, their argument as an extra playoff team because they will have more quality wins, uh, at least high-end wins, than you know maybe Alabama. You know, Alabama's quality wins may not be there. Michigan State beat, beat Miami, too, in the non-conference and things like that. Like, if they're really going to get into that now, do I think at the end of the day they're going to give Alabama, if, if Alabama's, I guess they would have to have beaten Georgia or this or that. I don't know. But they, they, both Michigan State and Michigan could have really nice resumes without even winning their division. And in sure. the SEC, that's in the past been enough. I don't know if it's yeah. enough in the Big Ten or not. But Yeah. An 11 and 1 Michigan or Michigan State would be an interesting debate to throw them in there against whoever else is in the mix. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I mean, that would, that's not out of the question at all. That's, I think the big 10 is, is positioned with definite chance still to get two in this thing. 11 and one Kentucky. Yeah. Right. What about them? So what if they lose close at Georgia? 
You know, yeah. they're, they, there's some interesting one loss possibilities out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who, who do we, who do we think had a better out of conference, Michigan or Michigan state? Who has a better Michigan, win? I mean, Michigan beat Washington at home. Michigan state went to Miami and won. Neither of those teams are any good. I would credit Michigan state for at least going on the road and beating a bad power five team, as opposed to staying at home and watching a bad power five team spectacularly explode and, lose its offensive coordinator in the process, essentially. Michigan is all, the helmets and the brand is always going to get the benefit of the doubt, but you could credit Michigan State for at least Western. Yeah, I mean, going to Miami. We could, we could debate the Western Michigan, Western Kentucky, all that kind of stuff until we're blue in the face. I'd enjoy it, but our listeners probably wouldn't. So, um, but I, I just think, I think Michigan State's done every bit as much as Michigan. That's my point. If well, not, they yeah. both beat Nebraska close. Although Michigan won at Nebraska, we'll see what the Northwestern compare. I mean, those are the two crossovers. Yeah, and the uh, yeah Michigan State I mean, beat Rutgers better, and that was on the road. I don't know. You can go circles on this thing. You can, and that's why fortunately they'll settle it on the field in East Lansing on the thirtieth, and then we'll see what happens thereafter. But uh, I mean, Michigan State's only had one close game so far. You know, they've handled business, and especially they, their three road games. They won by seventeen, one by twenty-one, one by eighteen. That's that's pretty impressive. All right, how about this one that's a little also interesting? In the SEC, everything's running through Big Orange. Very interesting game this weekend against Ole Miss in Knoxville. Uh, Ole Miss offense looks great. Gave up a ton of points to Arkansas, gave a ton of points. You know, we're not sure about that defense. I thought it was better. I'm no longer certain of that. After Ole Miss, they visit Alabama. They get a week off. They visit Kentucky. And then they got Georgia. So... For the next five games, all the top teams in the SEC. Tennessee looks better, particularly of late. Uh, they, they beat Missouri and South Carolina, two teams that they should be better at historically, but haven't been lately. And you wonder, is this program hitting a stride where they can be a spoiler in the SEC, one of these uh, contenders or having really strong seasons? Pat, what do you think? I say look out. I mean, you know, sometimes, look, maybe we're going to put too much emphasis or I'm going to put too much emphasis on beating Missouri and South Carolina, and this is only really winning the bean pot. But if 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 what we saw those two games continues, I mean, they have offensively, it's been ridiculous. They've scored, I, I want to say, 56 points in the last two first quarters. I mean, they've scored oh. 107 in the last two games, but 56 in the first two first quarter so they're coming out hair on fire killing teams now you catch mississippi at home coming off of a slobber knocker you get that and then you get i think they can win that game but then after that you get a chance to try to slay the giant that is i mean that used to be a rivalry and now it is hammer versus nail tennessee has been the nail since nick saban's gotten there do you have a chance to possibly catch Alabama on the wrong at the right time? And then Kentucky want to burst a balloon, maybe the big blue balloon and the, their best season they've had. Then you got Georgia at home. The opportunities are there. Are they good enough to? I mean, I don't think they're good enough to win all four. Could they win two? Maybe, maybe even three. Uh, and people would be super excited about Josh Heupel. And I'll admit, I was not excited about the hire of Heupel. 
but they've got an opportunity to show that uh, that he was the right guy here in the next few weeks if he can win some big games. I was excited about Josh Heupel in terms of he would at least get them baseline competent on offense. And they are, like, more than confident. They're exciting to watch, which Sully could probably go – Sully could probably remember the last time they were as exciting to watch. It was probably when he was in high school at some point. So they College have the seventh ranked – Tyler Bray was throwing beer bottles. That That's when yes. the last time it was this exciting. Yes, yes. When there's a Bray reference who I just completely forgotten existed, <laughs> that's <laughs> – that's that's a pretty good it's a pretty good indicator of, uh, of of where we are. But they have the seventh best scoring offense in college football. And look, like Tennessee's not out of the woods. They've still got that NCA anvil looming over their head. The talent drain that came with the coaching uh, change is going to impact them. But at the very least, when you roll into Neyland now, you know you are going to see a good offense. And this is with sort of like a you know, ham and egg portal quarterback offense, right? Good for Josh Heupel. He's doing exactly what Josh Heupel has done. He's always figured out a way to move the ball. Here's my question about this game this weekend. Which fan base hates Lane Kiffin the most? Is it Tennessee? (laughs) Is it USC? Is it Alabama? Is it Mississippi State? I mean, there's some, there's some, there's some good, good ponders there. Sully, what do you think? Sully, what do you think? You, you, you obviously have firsthand angst here. I, I do not forget uh, sitting in my high school gym in 2009 get, get hearing the buzz leaking throughout the crowd that Lane Kiffin was leaving. And I, I don't think the 102-455 is going to forget either this weekend. I think we're going to see 2015 Oklahoma nasty crowd um, <laughs> this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Is that like a VolQuest message board post? Five nastiest yeah. crowds of this. I don't even century. know what that what what he was. Baker Mayfield discuss- thro- said it was the most raucous crowd he's ever played in front of, and I think we're going to get that again this weekend. Throwing out okay. numbers. There were like air, was that area codes you were throwing out and stuff. One hundred two four five five is the capacity now for the for oh, the point wow. of accuracy. Uh, Eighty nine four thirty seven eighty eight four seventy. Uh, 80053 Those are your those are your crowds. They, so they sold it out. Can it, you guys like speak? Can you guys speak yeah. it, the numbers in English? It's like you don't say. <laughs> is this a Morse code podcast? Yeah, why well, is like the like Niner forty? What is this military thing? Like Delta Delta four hundred thirty seven people. Four hundred fifty five people will be in attendance this then weekend. Say it like that. Not one. I need a damn abacus to follow you guys. I don't even know what you're talking about. One zero eight six three four. What? Bingo. I big Butch Jones for that. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> Oh, the abacus. All right. <laughs> All right. Next question for the next month or so. Oklahoma is 6-0, and and they may have a really good quarterback. Is Caleb Williams, if he becomes the starter, enough to take the Sooners all the way? TCU at Kansas, Texas Tech, week off. That's the next month. Pretty good way to ease a guy in. Then at Baylor, looking pretty good. Iowa State still might be some fight in the uh, the Cyclones at Oklahoma State. So I don't know. But do you make this move now? Get this guy the reps in three games you should win. TCU will be interesting, but you got him at home. And, uh, and say, hey, we can win this thing because I know he's a freshman, but we might have the best guy in that playoff. Now, maybe Desmond Ritter is your best quarterback. That's fine. But. If it's going to be Stetson Bennett or JT Daniel, or it's going to be Bryce, I mean, hey, this guy might be it. So 
How much of a difference? How is can the Sooners reset this season where they have not looked like a real contender, even if they're undefeated, and say we are now? Pete? Well, I mean, listeners to our podcast will know I've been all in on Caleb Williams all year, and I think we collectively, the three of us, were all pretty skeptical of Spencer Rattler. We did not see a guy who was going to be a top-10 draft pick. We did not see a guy who was just a no-brainer playoff quarterback in the same lineage of the Oklahoma quarterbacks before. But I'm I'm all in on Caleb Williams. I, I think Lincoln Riley would be foolish to get in the way of progress right now and play both, or I, I think he's – him shielding Williams, I just think he's being sensitive to Rattler because that's a tough for a you know twenty year old, twenty one year old, whatever it is. That's a tough crash to go from thinking you're going to be the number one pick in the draft to you know hitting the transfer portal likely at the uh, at the end of the season. So it, to me, as I look at what Lincoln Riley's doing from the outside, I feel like he is tiptoeing around a sensitive situation. But I think Caleb Williams has the arm talent. I think he has the maturity. He's as bright of a young quarterback as I've be- ever been around. And look, he can't play linebacker, too. This Oklahoma defense has been a flop. Uh, you know, this was going to be the time that Alex Grinch's unit all came together. They just haven't. You know, there's no other way to say it. They just really, they really haven't. And that's part of sort of what got lost in the in the miraculous comeback against Texas was just the abject failure of Oklahoma to stop Texas. All that said, like I can't guarantee they're going to be in the playoff, but I can guarantee Caleb Williams gives them the best chance offensively to get in the playoff. Yep, no doubt about it. And look, I, I mean, Lincoln Riley is not going to hold the team back on account of Spencer Rattler's feelings. I mean, he will definitely try to manage the situation in terms of PR, but in terms of PT, playing time, Caleb <laughs> Williams is going to be the guy. I, I would be shocked if it's anything other than that. And as Dan pointed out, the schedule, this is the time. It's a pretty soft launch here, TCU, Kansas, Texas Tech, open week. And then you probably have three pretty big-time games to finish the regular season. Uh, by then, if he's got three starts plus all that Texas game under his belt, probably ready to roll. So this is the time. He's the guy. Is the team good enough? Eh, I mean, I, I certainly share Pete's skepticism there. I mean, again, they have not beaten an FBS team by more than seven points this year. I mean, the, every game has been close. It's at varying points in time. You can't you can't keep going that way. I think eventually that catches up to you. There's enough weaknesses in that team defensively that somebody puts it together and beats you. And they're, when you look at the resume, when you get to the end of this, I don't think there's going to be a lot of meat on that bone. We'll see if Oklahoma State holds up as a real quality win, if Baylor holds up, Iowa State is diminished, Nebraska is no good. You know, that's, that's your big non-conference win there. So, uh, I mean, their resume, if they end up 12-1, and one, let's say, I, I'm just not sure that's a very good 12-1 and one compared to what could be some 11-1s and ones or whatever else out there. All right. We don't normally take requests. We don't take requests on this podcast. We talk about whatever we want to. We're hit up by a university president uh, this week. <laughs> that's true. Michael T. Benson, the president of Coastal Carolina. Is a podcast listener, apparently. He's listened for a while. Yeah. Looking for a great podcast. You won't find any better. How about that? None better. We got a bunch of presidents (laughs) that listen, actually. Uh I'm not even agreeing to that. I think you can (laughs) find better. But that's all right. We'll take it. Like, these guys are, like, they're smart. What are they doing? (laughs) Why are they listening to us? (laughs) He wants us to talk more coastal football, though. Uh, which we which one of us would look best in a mullet? 
I used to have one. So did you really? Oh yeah, in the late uh, eighties, early nineties, forty mullet years. This is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like a bad Bono looking mullet. You know? <laughs> I, well, I, what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. All right, well, it was a Pat, product of my times. Pat, Pat is, uh, yeah, the Missouri Compromise. <laughs> his, his days as a tiger. Well, um, you know they beat Arkansas State last week, and you know they love a lot of antics in their locker room after victories. One of their big things has been the viral, some pro wrestling, different things. Uh, in this occasion, they got a stuffed wolf, as in the Arkansas State Red Wolves. And then had a uh, staffer get a chainsaw out, <laughs> rear it up, and they cut the the red the wolf stuffed wolf's head off in the locker. Wow. It's true. They then took the wolf head and mounted it on a piece of wood as the team celebrated. Have you seen this video? I have not. I have not. It was a tough fight. It was a tough fight. He's dead. I think we're going to do it again. Yeah. Come on. 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 There's a chainsaw in the locker room. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> Cut President, off all their mullets if they lost, right? They just President line them up. Benson, you're one step from a dude chugging a beer on top of the school bus. <laughs> I find this absolutely awesome, but there was a chainsaw loose in the locker room, and we're getting near that Halloween movie time. <laughs> I don't Look. know if Coastal Carolina can make the playoff. I don't know if they're the best team in the country, but the last two years, no one has had more fun in college football than Coastal Carolina. They just look Absolutely. like they have a blast every single week. Like, who cares? They do. They do. And I look, hey, winning is fun, so that breeds it. But, I mean, they have, they've kind of got that special sauce of, like, how to build a program and, and energize a program. And they've got it going on. So, congrats. You know, J Jamie Chadwell and his staff, they know what they're doing. And to, I have to tell President Benson, if he's a, a regular listener to the pod, I did pick Coastal as my lock of the week last week when mm -hmm. they beheaded the Wolves. <laughs> uh, and I have in the, in the dash been extolling Grayson McCall as a Heisman Trophy candidate, leads the nation by a wide margin in pass efficiency. Love that guy, what he's done there. Look at their record. Look at Coastal's record without him, and look at Coastal's record with him. Totally different programs. So, President Benson, I got your back. Your teal-covered back. President Benson has good taste. He only reads Yahoo. He doesn't read SI.com. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this. I did a feature. Uh, I went through Coastal this spring. I did a feature before the season or early in the season about these celebrations. And to me, this is the essence of Jamie Chadwell and what they are. So how many times have we sat there and heard a coach be like, we have to take it one game at a time. We can't look past our next opponent like Snoresville. So basically to build that notion into his team without boring everyone to death. Now, Chadwell's been at a couple of smaller schools, I believe Charleston Southern and the Citadel. 
So as he worked his way up, he found his teams were like vulnerable after being up for big games to maybe not being up for some others. So he had as an assistant be in charge of the celebration each week and be in charge of the theme for each week. So basically, whatever assistant was in charge of (laughs) Chainsaw massacring the Red Wolf (laughs) on like (laughs) Sunday at the start of the week starts building up to that. And what it's become is, I really appreciate this because we've all been involved in like ridiculous, goofy things that get out of hand, is these coaches all started to get really competitive with each other to see who could who could create the most elaborate celebration, theme, ceremony, et cetera. I think it crescendoed last year with the WWE style celebration where they broke the table. Um, <laughs> and there was one when they were actually playing Coastal when they were at a different job where a live chicken was involved. And as Chad Wall's <laughs> telling me the story in his office, he was just like, by the way, we didn't kill the chicken. No chickens died. Just so you know, no chickens died. So well, that, would, um, that would offend us. We eat chicken sandwiches yeah. all day long. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. We're a very chicken centric uh, podcast. Coastal's been great. I mean, they haven't lost a regular season game since 2019. The last yeah. team they lost to was Louisiana Monroe, who stinks, right? They went five yeah. and seven that year. They have an unbelievably fun offense to watch. It's really fun. Grayson McCall. Yeah. And it's like everybody – this is this is my coastal rant. So you have all these really good uh, military academy coaches, be it Munkin at Army, uh, Troy Calhoun at Air Force, Kenny Nematalolos had a great run at Navy. Nobody hires these guys because they run the triple or they run military offense. Well, Coastal's pretty much running a hybrid of the option. And I always like roll my eyes at some of these places that – Really, the great equalizer in college football for all the schemes and all the analytics and all everything is running the quarterback, right? If you can run the quarterback, you can take Mississippi State from a perennial cellar dweller to the number one team in the country. That, to me, has been and always will be college football's great offensive equalizer. So give Coastal credit. Now, it's not niched or stigmatized as the option. It's sort of this hybrid, innovative, but it's kind of the option. And so give them credit for marketing it as something genius, yet using the same fundamental as to what allows the military academies who have less talent to be equalizers or lower, you know, wrong schools and power conferences. Yeah, they run the quarterback and they're using option principles and they're diverse and they're fun. God bless them. Go Coastal. I think everyone's bragging about how much writing they've done about Coastal. I have, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> President Benson wants to get me, uh, you know, on the Dunes Golf and Beach Club. I'll go play you go. for 18 now. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> he might know know a few people in Myrtle Beach. Um, do right. Any university president wants to write in, we will consider. We will consider <laughs> talking about your school. Yeah, consider. Let's get a little, get a little presidential competition here. Who or can, who can talk their team onto the pod? Most of them will be writing in to say, "Please don't talk about us." Stop, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Are a bunch of jerks. <laughs> All right, we're gonna be back Thursday with the race for the case. All of the uh, selections we will make. It's gonna be exciting. Please continue to uh, subscribe. Be like. President Benson and share us on social media. Tell your friends about us and uh, we will talk to you later.